Welcome to Concord Matters, a show seeking for concord, agreement in Christian confession. Concord mattered to Jesus and Paul, and so it does to us also. Spend these next 60 minutes as we talk matters of Concord. Concord Matters, a program produced by the Christ-Centered Leader in Confessional Broadcasting. Worldwide KFUO, online at kfuo.org. And welcome to Concord Matters, the show where we seek to be of one mind, that is the mind of Christ. And to do that, we read through the book of Concord, our Lutheran confessions, with a cohort of Christ-confessing Concordians. And we discuss it uh, that we may teach what this one mind of Christ is according to Scripture, and we continue to confess it until Christ returns. Today we have a very special episode. We are coming to you from the National Convention of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, which is all about being joyfully Lutheran. That's our theme. And uh, today's topic, as we continue to make our way through the small called articles, certainly is the essence of why we are joyfully Lutheran. It's the very gospel itself. So we'll be taking a look at small called articles uh, four, five, and maybe six if we have time. But at least article four is of the gospel and part three of the small called articles, article five on baptism and article six on the sacrament of the altar. Uh, But first, I'd like to introduce our uh, guests here, also at the convention with us. Uh, Sitting to my right is Pastor Adam Matheny, who is the pastor, uh, associate pastor, I believe it is, at Our Saviors in Mankato, Minnesota. Welcome back to the show. You've been on once before, I know. Thank you. Yeah. Glad to be here. Yeah. And I'm just going to, in convention form here, take a point of privilege here because I'm the host and I can do that. Um, But uh, I'd like to point out that you are formerly a parishioner of mine in my first parish and and one of those guys who who just wonderfully came to his pastor and said hey this is the book of concord that we subscribe to as lutheran christians how about we read this let's read it yeah and it was a wonderful idea i liked it then and it instantly became a very uh, a very successful study and group that formed out of that congregation in evansville indiana where you're originally from and now you're a pastor and and part of that was also in preparation for uh, going to the seminary yourself so we're, we're very pleased that you are now a pastor in the church uh teaching this yourself as well uh confessing it uh, all of your preaching and teaching in in accordance with this and uh and now here at the convention uh as we confess this together as well. Uh, also uh, to my right is Pastor Joshua Shear. You know him. He's a host here and quite an honor to have him on. He's one of the original hosts of this show. Uh, again, I, I just like this idea that, you know, we subscribe to this as Lutheran Christians. Uh, it's in every church constitution. What a, what a unique idea that we should read through it, discuss it, and have understanding of it. So, so thanks for being on the show as well, Pastor Shear. You are very welcome. All right. Well, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. Although, oh, no, I'm sorry. I have one more point of business that I should attend to. Um, My guests here, while they are wonderful confessors of this, I guess they just know it by heart or something. They showed up to convention without their Book of Concord. I only brought a carry-on. Wouldn't yeah. fit. Yeah. Okay. I but also had the same strategy, and when <laughs> and when the convention workbook is 596 pages, it's kind of hard to fit other things in there. Yeah, it's, it's kind of maybe <laughs> thicker than the Book of Concord. However, uh, here at the convention, there is a booth with Concordia Publishing House, who who is the publishing arm of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, and has pr- put together this wonderful edition of the Reader's Edition of the uh, Concordia Lutheran Confessions, the Book of Concord, as we have it. I definitely recommend it. It is the Edition uh, that we use for this show all the time, as it's been running for five years now, over five years now. Five and a half. Yeah, and uh, and so we definitely recommend it. If you're here at the convention, stop by, uh, get it from Concordia Publishing House. Uh, if if you're not here at convention, definitely uh, recommend you can get it at online uh, from Concordia Publishing House. Um, but uh, they were wonderful and gracious here at the convention and gave us a copy for use on this show, uh, so that our guests could could follow along with it. Thank you, CPH. Yeah. So we definitely thank them. Uh, uh, definitely uh, Bruce Kintz, Dr. Bruce Kintz, uh, as uh, CEO of CPH and their generosity. And uh, uh, we'll be giving out this copy that is being used here. I don't know. Maybe we'll have it autographed or something, too, as a special commemorative <laughs> convention edition. But uh, we'll be giving out. So to do that, we are going to say um, that uh, the first person to email me. So now I'm going to have to give out my email on Worldwide KFUO, RevSeanSmith at iCloud.com, R-E-V-S-E-A-N-S-M-I-T-H at iCloud.com. 
put in there your name, date, information, uh, the time that you are emailing me, because the first one I get is the one that's going to get this copy. Um, let me know how I can get it to you, how I can send it to you, and, uh, and we will be uh, wonder, uh, glad to do that uh, for you. And, uh, and, and again, this, this commemorative edition, and we thank CPH for their generosity for it. <laughs> All right. Uh, with that, uh, then let's go ahead and get in and actually get to reading and teaching this as it comes to us. So a reminder again that today uh, we, we continue uh, going through the Small Called Articles as we've done for several months now on this show. and. Uh, uh, Again, a very it, it lines up very nicely for us in connection with the convention that we are in the Small Called Articles Part 3, Article 4 uh, today of the Gospel, the very essence of why we are joyfully Lutheran, that theme that we have for our convention here. So I'm going to go ahead and read it. It's short. I'm going to read it in its entirety, and then I'm going to throw it to my guests to discuss. So Article 4, Part 3 of the Small Called Articles, the Gospel says this. We will now return to the gospel, which does not give us counsel and aid against sin in only one way. God is superabundantly generous in his grace, first through the spoken word by which the forgiveness of sins is preached in the whole world, citing Luke 24, 45 through 47. This is the particular office of the gospel. Second, through baptism. Third, through the holy sacrament of the altar. Fourth, through the power of the keys. Also through the mutual conversation and consolation of brethren, where two or three are gathered, citing Matthew 18, 20 and other such verses, especially citing Romans 1 verse, 1 verse 12. All right, so that is our article in its entirety. Uh, first, uh, I'll, I'll throw this to either one that, that may happen to know. I, I kind of have a note here. Um, well, I'll, I'll actually just say it myself rather than throw it to you guys. So it says, we will now return. Uh, and so the, the first question that I had come, come to my mind on this is where are we returning to? Uh, it says we're returning to the gospel, but, but this is, a, this is a, a reference to, we have talked about this earlier in this document. And so this is actually returning to part two, article one, the chief article, the article upon which the mm -hmm. church stands or falls, um, the, the, the article of justification. So Pastor Shear, I'll, I'll go ahead and throw this to you then. Um, it seems like we don't really have a definition of the gospel here. Um, as much as we, we lay out some things, uh, but, but why this mark of returning to that article on justification? Is, is that essentially our definition then? And go ahead and talk about why that is our sufficient definition. Yeah, so, so of course, we're, we're always about the gospel of justification, right back to Augsburg 4, um, that, that God reckons us such way because of the sake of Christ. And so throughout the confessions, you'll see this over and over again, that, that we're always going back to Article 4 always going back to the gospel. And this is, of course, Luther in 1537 doing this. Um, it's just so, it, it, it's who we are. And, and of course, as, as you're looking at this being uh, for the council, the Roman Catholic council that never happened, you know, this is Luther trying to get back to the basics. Okay, we've discussed some of the abuses of the false papists, uh, false repentance of the papists and so forth previous to this, but now we're going to get back to the gospel because that's the real focus here. Um, that all the abuses and everything of the Reformation is still geared around the fact that let's get rid of the stuff that militates against the gospel. We want people to know of what Christ has done for them and, and instead of being pointed to themselves or their own fake good works or things like that, we're always going back to the gospel, always going back to this idea of justification by faith, justification by grace through faith as Ephesians 2 would call it. So that's, that's what he's doing here. He's, he's bringing them back and in a way he, he immediately goes into this uh, because he, he talks about not only in one way, right? So, so this, is, this is the gracious God we have. This is the, the, the loving God we have, who because of our great need has of course come and saved us in the work of Christ, his son. But, but then also, beyond just that, he's given us multiple ways in which this good news, this, this power of God to salvation that comes to us, he's given us multiple ways by which this grace comes to us. And I love the way that he says it here, too. God is super abundantly generous, super abundantly generous over and above anything that he would have to do. He goes ahead and pours out and gives us access to this justification in all kinds of different ways. Absolutely. And that's, that, that's, that's our confession about who our God is. Right. 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 
Yeah, as Dr. Uh, Norman Nagel uh, always used to say, I remember, uh, and, and he's still with us, uh, still says, uh, <laughs> I, I actually get to be a part of a lectionary study that sometimes joins him once a month in the St. Louis area, and uh, the gospel gifts are always more. You know, it's, it, it is uh, definitely this, this, this beautiful image, and I, and I like the way that you set this up kind of as a roadmap for us, Pastor Shear, of, uh, you know, we, we've identified what the gospel is, what the, what the core of our faith is, right? Uh, and even all the way beginning with that, with the definition of the Trinity, the creed um, that we confess as Christians. Uh, and then we've identified the gospel. And then there's all this stuff that gets in the way um, that is false teaching that takes away from the gospel. And we've been dealing with that, as I say, for a couple months on the show now. Uh, and, and important that we point that out because these are dangers that would lead people away from the gospel and thus into uh, perilous ruin in the end. And so now he says, and now that we've identified what is, what is an error, what is, you know, what is a danger to you, Let's return to the gospel and talk about, you know, all the beautiful things that it, that it leads you to uh, when you cling to it. It, it, is, it is just a wonderful roadmap for us to have. A, it's an argumentative style using rhetoric as well. We, we always like to kind of point that out that these guys are, you know, we talk about the Middle Ages as if they're kind of in the dark ages. We even use that term as if they're unintelligent and things. But they are very intelligent, probably more so than us at times. And, and I love the roadmap that they have created, that Luther has created in this document. We also see it in the Augsburg Confession itself and the Apology as well. And, uh, and, and it's good argument argumentative style uh, in the true positive sense of that, um, that, that uh, presents to this, presents this as our confession of faith. All right. So uh, you, then, then you jumped in. The, yeah. Uh, I love, I love the descriptive word there, super abundantly, right? And, and he lays out five ways uh, in which these come to us. So go ahead and talk more about that, Pastor uh, uh, Matheny. Well, yeah, just going back to the article, uh, We'll now return to the gospel, which does not give us counsel and aid against sin in only one way. So God helps us uh, by, by coaching us, teaching us, helping us against sin in more than one way. His grace is super abundant. And then he, he lists out a few different ways that, that God does this. First, through the spoken word, by which the forgiveness of sins is preached in the whole world. Uh, you know, this is a thing that uh, it's easy to forget it's easy to forget that firstly the spoken word that God's word comes and dwells among us and we can speak it to each other and receive from God his gifts it's an amazing amazing gift absolutely yeah and in this it's, it's beautiful that you know for counsel and aid uh, which is of course the beauty of, of our confessions is it is absolutely about the forgiveness of sins but also included here is, is God helping us along the way also as Christians in our lives because where there's forgiveness of sins, there also is life and salvation. Right. Yeah. And, right. How, and how God does this. Yeah. So talk more about that. So how, how God does this is, of course, as we're going to see here, foundationally, we're going to find it in the Word. That how God gives us counsel and aid is found in His Word, which is the Spirit-inspired Word of our God. Uh, the Holy Spirit inspired men of God to write it. But then, of course, the Holy Spirit uses it in us and works through us. And this is the third article of the Creed. You know, He calls, gathers, enlightens, sanctifies, and sanctifies. He does the work in us, through us. Uh, to do this very good thing, and it's an aid against sin. Um, that, that as a Christian is moved to, to good and godly things, uh, it is an aid against sin, but it's also counsel against sin in that, you know, the forgiveness of sins grants you a clean and pure conscience uh, before our God, uh, from which you don't have to be trying to justify your, your sinful works of the past by trying to continue with them or explain them away or excuse them, but instead you can say, no, this, this has been forgiven by Christ, and now I move on in the new life that God has given me uh, by His Spirit. And, and so that's where this word comes from, and then everything else flows right from the word, uh, including you know baptism, Lord's Supper, and so forth. Yeah, absolutely, and I, and I love that we highlight here then what we often say as Lutherans, but but you've you've identified and spoken very clearly of exactly what we mean when we talk about that the Reformation was really all about the centrality of the word, right? And and that is what delivers us the gospel, and it comes to us in these means, right? Uh, and, and flushed out uh, very well for us there. So thank you for doing that. I, I also want to speak, uh, take, taking off my, my host just asking questions, but also as a pastor who contributes to the panel, the cohort here. Um, I guess I never even introduced myself. I have this problem on the show. <laughs> you, I, gave, you gave him your email address. So I know. did, which had my name in it. Which but you, I'm Pastor Sean get, Smith. You're most likely getting spam for. Right, you know. probably. <laughs> yeah, I, I may have to set up an alternate email there's after a, the there's show. A, there's an angry Calvinist somewhere putting you on all kinds of mailing lists. Oh, <laughs> that'll be joy. Uh, 
yeah. joyfully Lutheran, though. Well, one, but one thing on but anyway, point. I am Pastor Sean Smith, pastor of a dual parish in Southern yeah. Illinois. Uh, but I want to I speak to this as well, that I, I love what it, it speaks here, too, of the consolation of the gospel. And, and that really is, and, and you spoke to it as well, but we've, we talk about, and I love to bring in C.F.W. Walther and, of course, Luther himself, good, good uh, you know, highlight on uh, the law and gospel distinction. That, that's definitely a Lutheran distinctive that we have. And, and the law would come and crush and kill us. That's what it does, right? And then what consoles us is the very gospel itself. And, and I think it's interesting that it cites Matthew 18 here, uh, which we know uh, is very much about going to an erring brother, right? Um, and, and it all has this, this message of reconciliation. It could be uh, taken to uh, 2 Corinthians 5 then as well. Uh, but, but what is the message of our reconciliation? Where are we consoled? But it is the gospel. And so, so we do need that distinction. Um, uh, and, 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 and that plays also into the argumentative structure then of why these errors are so dangerous because they leave us only in the law. The whole goal is to get us here to the gospel, the centrality of the word, which made the whole Reformation possible, which remains our confession to this day. Uh, and I've heard reflected, especially in the papers and things here presented about being joyfully Lutheran today. All right, now I'll let you go, uh, Pastor Matheny, with the thought. Well, just on the, uh, the same sort of point, the emphasis that he has here on the spoken word, he specifically says on the spoken word, which is just, I mean, Pastor Shear, like you were saying, uh, is such a gracious gift of God that he works through the mouths of his people. That it's not, it, you know, the fact that I left my book of Concord or if I leave my Bible at home, I can still speak the word. I can still store it in my brain. I can still hear it, like you said, with the, the mutual consolation of the brethren from the mouths of my brothers and sisters in Christ. That God can work through his people is a fantastic and amazing gift that we have. And, and, and what actually does that is it's not just me going to you. And, and I think helps us understand, and maybe this is where I should have flushed out a little better, helps us understand a passage like Matthew 18, that I don't just go to you uh, and point out your sin to you so that I can beat you up. What do I use? I use the spoken word, right? I, I should be grounded in the scriptures when I go to you. And, and this is exactly what, what wonderful and faithful pastors all across the synod and, and even in various church bodies that we'd have other disagreements with, this, this, is the, this is the Christian office, is that we go with that spoken word, especially as it pertains to that mutual consolation of the brethren. Yeah, and, and it changes the way that you might see that. If I sin against you and you come to me, and I, I don't see it just as a complaint. I see it as God working through his servant in my life to bring me back to repentance so that I can receive forgiveness from you and from God. That's amazing. Yeah, you, you were also talking, I, I had the pleasure to uh, catch up with you and uh, grab lunch with you uh, the other day, and you were talking about uh, Bo Geertz's uh, work, The Hammer of God, and you were using an image. Uh, t talk some about that and how that might relate into here too, especially as we're going to talk about baptism, the Lord's Supper, and things like that, yeah, playing the, into this consolation as well. There's a scene in that book, and, and you guys will have to correct me if I'm wrong about this, but there's a scene where there's a dispute between a couple of of parishioners about the death of a cow, the sale of a cow that's diseased and then dies, and and um, one man has been cheated, and so he's quite angry uh, with his with his brother in Christ, with a fellow parishioner at this congregation, and uh, an old pastor goes out to settle it, and a, a young pastor is watching how this man handles it, and what he what he does to settle the situation is he he walks up to the man who refuses to forgive his brother, and he holds out his fingers pressed together uh, as if he's holding something invisible. And he, and he says to the man, with these fingers, I have fed you the body of the Lord for the last 20 years. Forgive me if I'm uh, misquoting it here. I fed you the body of the Lord with these very fingers for the last 20 years. And he uses that authority that he has as the pastor, as, as the called and ordained servant of the word to this man to bring him back to repentance. He uses exactly what Luther's talking about here uh, that you mentioned. Well, uh, fourth, the power of the keys for one in that particular case, but also this mutual conversation and consolation of the brethren. And pointing to the and, sacrament of the altar. Exactly. And so he actually, in that scene, what's so, what's so beautiful, beautiful about it for me is seeing the way that he takes these streams of the gospel, the way that God delivers his gifts to his people, and he actually weaves them together uh, to make a difference in the life of this man. And the Holy Spirit employs not, in, in that particular instance that's, of, of course, fictional, uh, the Holy Spirit employs not just one of these means, but multiple of them at the same time to care for and guide his child. I, I do think that's a wonderful image, and that's why I wanted you to talk about it, uh, because it really does, it, it makes it, 
incarnational as, as Jesus himself is. Uh, and, and that is really what the sacraments do for us as well, uh, as, as we're going to be moving into Article 5 on baptism and Article 6 on the, on the sacrament of the altar there, that, uh, you know, God gives to us these superabundant gifts, right? Um, so that, that we, would, we would have something that is physical, tangible, and real for us, um, that leads us in, in living in faith, in living in the gospel. Uh, and, and I just think that's a beautiful image. Pastor Shear, did you have something else you wanted to add on here too? Yeah, just, just with the spoken word of God that comes to us through the preaching of the forgiveness of sins in the whole world, uh, the, the idea here that when you go to church on Sunday and you hear your preacher up there, this is what Christ commands. And here in the, in the Concordia edition, they, they quote Luke 24, um, the, the Great Commission according to, to St. Luke, and the, the gift that is preaching uh, that, you know, so many people so quickly can just dismiss preaching as like, oh, well, you know, it doesn't really apply to me, blah, 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 all the different things you hear. And yet the, the, the special sacred thing that is a sermon, uh, this, of course, applies on the other side of the coin to preachers and their preparation to preach. Uh, the sacredness of what they are going to be taking up in that 10 to 30 minutes, depending upon how long your preacher goes. Uh, how, how sacred this is. And of course you see this in the small catechism also of Luther. Uh, third commandment, what does he take it right away to? Not just the observance of some kind of not working, but what? Gladly hearing and learning God's word, the preaching of it, not despising it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then also you see it in, in, in Luther when he, in the table duties organizes our life according to the three estates. Well, in the, in the state of the church, there's what? There's preachers and there's hearers. And so it, it's all geared around this kind of same thing, but then circling back, it's all geared around to what? The preaching of the forgiveness of sins. Uh, not the preaching of false repentance, not the preaching of fake works, not the preaching of your best life now, but you're preaching of Five ways Christ. to be a better Christian. Right. You're preaching yeah. of Christ and the forgiveness of sins that comes solely through him and his work. And then it comes to you through the preaching of the word. So. And, and I think one place where that comes through so clearly to me is in uh, is in the fourth one that he mentions here, and the power of the keys, and especially our right for private confession and absolution. When I get to look my parishioners in the face and say, do you believe that my forgiveness is God's forgiveness? Do you believe that I'm standing before you now as the Jesus of revelation to declare you guiltless? And then I get to say, and now on this your confession, I by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of, the cri of Christ, forgive you all of your sins yeah is unbelievable as a pastor it's a moment that brings me just almost literally to my knees well that's a that's a beautiful line of in the stead of okay so you're in the place of but then yeah. of course well why does it have anything by the command right Christ commands us to be done in his church yeah and yeah it's it's beautiful that that the word itself you can almost see this springing forth of these different streams of the gospel as, as Luther's talking about it here even in the words of our own rights. That, that that comes through, and it's and it's just a, a As it great gift. Uh, exactly right. Yeah, it's it's you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> failure is the host right now, lost for words. But but it is a great <laughs> gift, and maybe Beautiful. that's why my words fail me. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I, I I do think this is great. What you have highlighted here too, as well. Um, uh, you know, th this is the particular office is is the preached word. And that speaks to me as a pastor to make sure that I'm prepared, well prepared, and have diligently studied God's word so that I may faithfully proclaim it. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a high calling. And, and I often extend that as well, too, especially even into the mutual com uh, conversation of the brethren and so forth, my responsibility there. Um, also in the teaching office of the pastor as well. Uh, I, I, I can confess at times I you know, kind of fall back on, oh, I know enough, and, and kind of maybe walk in a Bible study not as well prepared as I should. This calls me to task, right? And, and I know other pastors that, that fall into that as well. So th this calls us to task on that as well because this is a high office, right? Um, but then also on our hearers, as, as you, you well flushed out for us as well, and these, these are some of the things that we're wrestling even very much here at the convention with. You know, what makes up the church? Well, it is preachers and hearers. And, and, and that is how we have identified ourselves um, because that is how Scripture identifies us and that is what our confessions have flushed out for us here as well. And, and, and so there is this high calling then also on the hearers to gladly hear that. 
And, and so sometimes, you know, maybe, maybe I'm not as gentle as a pastor as I really should be. I, I, I confess that. Uh, but uh, sometimes when I get those uh, responses from parishioners that say, you know, oh, you just, you, you get to the same thing every time. You know, it's Christ for you. Yeah, he saved you from your sins. I'm like, that's the gospel. <laughs> why, <laughs> why are you tired of hearing that? Why are you complaining about this, right? You know, so maybe I should be a little more gentle in responding. To that. But, but then I also do remind them of the high calling they have as a hearer that God super abundantly gives them these gifts for their benefit, for their consolation. And every time we hear that, we should be joyful and, and, and not complain about the length of a sermon or anything else either. And, and I preach that long sermon not because I really like to hear myself talk. Well, maybe I have that problem. Maybe that's why I'm a host <laughs> of a radio show too. I didn't say it. But you looked at me funny. But, uh, but also just because this is a wonderful gift that our God gives us. And it's as consoling to me. I talk as long as cons- is consoling to me. God's word, well, uh, because I'm a primary hearer as well of that word that I have been given to proclaim as pastor. Go ahead, Pastor Shirk. A couple things. You mentioned, you mentioned a couple things where, like, you fall short. Well, guess what? This is why preachers need to hear the gospel, too. Yeah. Now, both of us happen to be in, quote-unquote, team ministries, which is one of the most blessed things on earth, because I get to, half the time, hear the gospel preached. Uh, yes, at first, you know, it's like, oh, I should be preaching every week. But then you realize, wait a second, I get to sit here and I get to listen to preaching, which is a wonderful, wonderful blessing. But then I'll also point out how this is unto the whole world. So you're talking about evangelism mission is, is preaching. And then I'll give you the example of both of you sitting here today. Um, your preaching to your parishioner caused the gospel to grow in him to the point where the spirit called him to be a pastor in the church. And so the effect of your preaching and your teaching as a pastor is now that Mankato, Minnesota has a pastor who preaches and teaches the forgiveness sins unto them, even though you've never served in Mankato, Minnesota. So that, just the- That is a wonderful gift that is humbling, although super abundantly generous. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and also the broadness of the church too, that it wasn't just me myself, lest I get right. prideful too. Sure. There, there, there's been a host of, I mean, you, you've been a host for mom five and, and a half years now, mom and dad, mom first and, dad. and foremost. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a great thing to highlight. Other pastors and teachers, uh, absolutely. I mean, the, the super abundant is definitely a great word that, that can almost leave us speechless. So much so that I think this is an appropriate time to just go ahead and take a break. But have no fear, dear listener. Come right back after the break for more gospel for you. Welcome back to Concord Matters as we are coming to you from the National Convention of the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate here in Tampa, Florida. We have our cohort of Christ Confessing Concordians, Pastor Adam Matheny, who is pastor at Our Saviors in Mankato, Minnesota, associate pastor in, at Our Saviors in Mankato, Minnesota, and Pastor Joshua Shear, who is the, I guess, senior pastor, I should highlight that as well, of Our Savior in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And I am Pastor Sean Smith, pastor of the Rural Dole Parish in Southern Illinois, St. Paul's Winehill and Emanuel West Point. And we continue to make our way through the small called articles we have been talking about um, this this again the theme of our convention that we're coming to you from here in in Tampa Florida is joyfully Lutheran and the very essence of that why we are joyfully Lutheran is the very gospel itself and that's the article that we're covering in part three article four of the gospel in the small called articles and and it is flushed out there for us that these these gifts come to us super abundantly and, and especially highlighted those what we call five means of grace. I don't know that we actually use that terminology in the first half of the show, but I, I want to highlight that as that is kind of technical terminology, if, if you will, that we use in the church, although uh, we, we want to identify it. It's very simple terminology. So it's, it's the five means of grace, the, the five ways which we confess that the gospel comes to you. And, and we talked uh, on the centrality of the preached word. That is uh, the, uh, what does it say here? Uh, the p- particular office of the gospel, you know, that, that, that main highlight there. But it also comes to us in baptism, the holy sacrament of the altar, through the powers, power of the keys, confession and absolution. Um, and then uh, there also um, uh, the mutual conversation and consolation 
uh, the brethren. And, and as we fleshed out that article, I, I think it's, it, it's a good move for us now to go ahead and move forward into Article 5 on baptism here uh, and, and discuss that as one of those means of grace, the, the delivery package, if you will, of the gospel itself to us. So I'm going to read this. This is Article 5 of Baptism found in Part 3 of the Small Called Articles. And again, we're reading through um, the Concordia Lutheran Confessions, the reader's edition of the Book of Concord, made available from CPH, especially my two guests today. Uh, their specific copy is made available by CPH here at the convention, which we are going to give away to the first person that emailed me. I'm sure I have that already. I just have to get off the radio and be able to check it. Uh, and then we will send this to you. We will. Th this is a commemorative convention edition that uh, will, will be autographed and sent to you, uh, dear listener, the first one that emailed me. All right, back to reading and teaching the Lutheran Confessions now. No more advertisements. Article 5 of baptism. Baptism is nothing other than God's word in the water, commanded by his institution. All right, I'm going to pause there. I just want to highlight what Pastor Shear highlighted very well for us. Uh, again, this is, I love what he says, baptism is nothing other than God's word. This is God's word. The, this, this is the very command that we have from God himself that this is for your consolation, highlighting what we talked about in the gospel. All right, now I'm going to push forward and read the, the rest of the article in its entirety. As Paul says, it is washing with the word, citing Ephesians 5.26. As Augustine says, when the word is joined to the element or natural substance, it becomes a sacrament. This is why we do not agree with Thomas Aquinas and the monastic preachers who forget the word God's institution. They say that God has imparted to the water a spiritual power, which through the water washes away sin. Nor do we agree with Scotus and the barefooted monks who teach that baptism washes away sins by the assistance of the divine will. They believe this washing occurs only through God's will and not at all through the word or water. Of the baptism of children, we hold that children should be baptized, for they belong to the promised redemption made through Christ, citing Acts 2, verse 39. Therefore, the church should administer baptism to them. Thus endeth the article. All right, uh, several things to talk about here. I'm going to be a bad host and just kind of throw it to whoever wants to talk here, and especially <laughs> bonus points to you if you want to uh, identify uh, Thomas Aquinas, and especially, we, we've talked about him before on the show, but Scotus and the Barefooted Monks. Who's that and what's going on there? All right, who wants to jump in? <laughs> All right, so Barefooted Monks here in my old version of the Book of Concord on my phone, it references minorities or Franciscan monks, and so uh, with, with Thomas, you have the Dominican, the monastic preachers referring to as, as the Dominicans, and of course then later you have the Franciscans, so you have different orders of Roman Catholic monks and monasteries here. And, that's, and, and they, this, this is an interesting thing because it, in the backside of this, it teaches the diversity of belief held in the Roman Catholic Church even. Uh, that, that again, when you boil down the Roman Catholic Church, you have the centrality of the Pope, and beyond that, there's a lot of disagreement about what actually is believed. And so you're seeing that here even confessed in, in, in the quoting of Aquinas, and the Dominicans on one side, and then you have the, the Franciscans, or, or Scotus, and the barefooted monks on the other. And so you have the diversity of belief, but of course both have the same error. Uh, they both have the error of, they both forsake the word. Uh, which again goes back to what you were said about the Reformation being about the word. Getting back to the word, hearing the word, uh, making the word the foundation of all of our norm and doctrine. Uh, so that, that's what you've got going on here with, with this, is pointing this difference of, of belief even within the Roman Catholic Church. I do have to say, uh, Pastor Shear, I've been accused more than once of being a barefooted monk, but I am, uh, just for the record, in fact, not a Franciscan. Excellent. Yeah. And you're wearing shoes, so you're good. Yeah. Today, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all the way back when he was a parishioner, he was known for, I, I remember uh, stories of you walking through the city of New Orleans, dirty city that it is, barefooted. I, I just cannot imagine. I mean, it's a wonderful city anyone in New Orleans, do not send me hate mails, especially I have given out my, my email on the radio already. Uh, it's a wonderful city, but uh, you have to admit your streets are quite dirty and filled with uh, broken your glass and things. pastors are strange people. Yeah, people. yeah. But uh, it yes, did, it uh, did say it was a particular or a peculiar office. That's <laughs> right. Following uh, St. Francis of Assisi, uh, who, who encouraged going around barefoot, uh, th these monks, uh, that they would, and, and Scotus being the particular leader of this, this group within the barefooted monks, and they, they put 
put their hope in the divine will, which I think we still see play out in Reformed theology, especially. Calvinist. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and so we see that. And, and I also like what you highlighted in, in pointing out. It points out the diversity in the Roman Catholic Church. Um, sometimes, you know, uh, people talk about, you know, certain vestments that we wear in the Lutheran Church and things like that and say, oh, that that's too Catholic and everything. But then I, I'm always careful to remind that that's, that's Catholic in the good sense, right? These things we have retained according to our confession. Um, but then we reject things like allowing diversity, that things that actually stand against one another and are in error, uh, as long as it's under the name. So we, we, don't, we don't permit that diversity and error in the church. We actually hold to a confession. This is why uh, going through the Book of Concord, this confession that we subscribe to, is really important for us that we have understanding uh, because diversity, I mean, Sesame Street taught me one of these things is not like the other, one of these <laughs> things doesn't belong. So you cannot have that, right? Uh, we need unity, and that unity is found in our confession taught by us in Scripture. Go ahead, Pastor McKean. Sure. The, um, just getting back a, a bit to the Franciscans here, um, it's kind of interesting what they're called out for, actually. It says they believe this washing, that is baptism, occurs only through God's will and not at all through the word or water. So they deny the, uh, the word, like you said, Pastor Shear. They also deny the water. They say the water's not important, whereas we as Lutherans would say, well, no, this is water, but it's not just plain water. It's water connected to God's Word. Which, which would be the root we find in a lot of Reformed Baptistic circles where baptism purely becomes about, well, maybe not even the will of God, but the will of man. Like, this is your decision, your act of obedience to God, and, and the water is just insignificant, maybe symbolic at best, right. versus here we would confess, no, the Word in the water which yeah. is what's commanded by Christ. And, and here specifically with the Franciscans, the word in the water. So even the water itself is important. If you, you can't have a, a baptism without the word, but you also can't have a baptism without the water. Which our which small is, catechism does beautifully. Exactly, it's fantastic. And, and here, you know, with the sacraments kind of period, I think it's just beautiful, again, getting back to the gospel, how our Lord provides for us all these different gifts and he utilizes his creation. He gives, he employs his first article gifts of things like water and bread and wine and people to deliver these gifts to the, to the ones that he's, that he's saved. Yeah, I mean, Luther does this great, and he quotes this one all over in his writings about what makes a sacrament. He always runs back to Augustine and, and, he, and he always says, you know, let the word come to the element and it becomes a sacrament. You have both elements, the word and the physical, tangible element. And this, of course, creates the debate about how many sacraments there are and so forth. You know, you mentioned you, you count these as five means of grace. Well, yeah. And then, well, which one's a sacrament? Depends upon your definition. Luther oftentimes will go to this definition of the sacrament. Yeah. And, well, and, and, and tying in there then that the power of the keys is often the debated third sacrament, right? Uh, and, and, and you can also get into, you know, well, the pastor actually speaking and, and, and understood there also would be the biblical laying on of hands as a part of the absolution. Uh, he probably has more in mind uh, in his writings, uh, you know, the, the individual confession and absolution Very much uh, so. where that makes it possible, right? Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that, there's a physical thing to that. But, but again, reminds us, too, of this very incarnational way that our God works. You know, that he, he, he has created us as physical beings and he gives us these physical gifts, super abundant gifts, to deliver the gospel to us. And, and as we talked about in the first half of the show, um, that image that comes to us from Bo Geertz's, uh The Hammer of God, um, and pointing to the Lord's Supper, and you talked about you know the pastor holding up the fingers that have delivered the, that very bread, which is the body of Christ, into their mouth, right? Um, we see St. Paul do this with baptism all the time, too, and Luther, too. I, I remember even as a young parishioner, <laughs> uh, Pastor Matheny would often talk about, you know, the, the most Lutheran answer is baptism, right? <laughs> you know? uh, and, and, uh, and, and so Luther certainly does this as well, you know, reminding you, uh, again, just, just thinking about Paul and what he does in most of his letters maybe almost all of them, I'm just running through my mind, uh, most of his letters, that when he talks about, you know, living in sinful living, living in error, and contrary to the gospel and so forth, uh, he doesn't just deliver them the law, but he delivers them the consolation and reminds them, you are baptized, and because you are baptized, you live this way, right? What does such baptizing with water indicate? Right. They're citing the small catechism, uh, which is just a beautiful, beautiful consolation for us. So, right. Something about this, just to point out, just as a matter of how we do theology, Luther here does not refrain from speaking of the error and actually you know, condemning it as the error that it is. Uh, so often nowadays, it just people are so not used to like negativism, even though our society and culture is just negative. Uh, but... But in church stuff, we got we just got to be nice. But it, when you think about what's going on here, when you when you speak of the error, 
of, of, of Aquinas or of Scotus or of, of whatever, you are speaking to those who might hold to that error and you're trying to draw their attention to the fact that you, you are violating the second commandment, you have this error and it's dangerous to your soul. And of course, as you said, you're, you're always going back to the gospel though, because what do we have? We have the forgiveness of sins for this, but we, we, need, we want you to step away from the error that, that drags you away from Jesus. And, and so he doesn't refrain from speaking and he doesn't refrain from even naming these teachers like Thomas and Scotus and so forth um, and their errors. That, that is an excellent highlight that we do on this show a lot because it, even a show like this, you know, probably we have a, a selective audience and who listens to the show sometimes anyway that they might understand it. But, but sometimes, uh, you know, people come across the teachings of the Book of Concord and just view it as hateful and things like mm -hmm. that and just wanting to, 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 you know, essentially beat up people and, and call them names and things like that. And that's not it at all. Um, and, and I think you've highlighted that very well for us. Uh, and, and especially, I love the way that it does it here simply too, in just making this move of, of saying, what's in danger here is loss of the word itself, loss of the gospel. Uh, and, and, and we've already pointed out here that both of these errors of Aquinas um, and the Dominican monks and of uh, Scotus and the barefooted monks, the Franciscan monks, is that they have rejected the word and thus rejected the very gospel itself. And so we must warn of this and, and warn those who would fall prey to their teaching then too as well. well and it's not uh, like Luther's just coming out and uh, decrying in the streets the Dominicans and Franciscans. He's, he's calling them out to clarify what our teaching is. He says, we believe this. Oh, and by the way, just, just in case you were wondering, just to make it clear, we don't believe that this and not that, to just narrow it in and make it as pointed and clear as possible what our teaching is and what our belief is. So it's clear for everybody. Yeah, he's making, a, making distinctions, which is, of course, very biblical. In fact, that's, I mean, if you look back in the Levitical priesthood, much of their work was making distinctions about clean, unclean, sacred, so forth. So. Absolutely. And, and it's still the way that we operate. I mean, it is, you know, at times we do this here at the convention itself, debating resolutions and so forth. But Ideally, uh, we are sinners. We don't maybe always do it as perfectly as we should or as well as we should, especially in the two-minute time, which things I, I don't have that problem on the show. Uh, but uh, we, we, we don't, uh, uh, or, or what, what's at stake, rather, in the debate is that we, we have that centrality on the word and that we're not just looking to, to yell at each other, but that we're speaking from the authority of the word and, and seeking to be unified in that word. And, and maybe that's just a reminder for myself as I'm considering maybe eventually getting up and talking here at a convention. I don't know. If you can manage <laughs> to get there before yeah. you call the question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's always a challenge. But, but then also speaks to, um, you know, th that is just the nature of good debate as well, which I've already highlighted. This is just historical rhetoric, you know, the way that this is being presented, the Augsburg Confession itself. We're going to especially see this play out when we get to the formula of Concord uh, right. that, that very, very directly points out we reject and we, this is what we teach, right? This it's just very simple um, formulaic. And, and here it's important to remember again that, that same context. This was what Luther wanted the Lutherans to confess at the Roman Catholic Council. Um, so on one hand he's going to say, you know, Aquinas was wrong here. On the other hand he's going to say, you know, Scotus was wrong here. And now he's going to go after not the Roman Catholics, but he's going to go after the other quote-unquote Protestants who had already forsaken giving up or giving baptism to babies. So go ahead and talk about that then. So, so yeah, this last part of baptism, he makes sure to be very clear to say that, no, we hold that children should be baptized. Um, and then why? Uh, because they're included in the promise. Um, well, well, what's the promise? Forgiveness of sins for those who are sinners. Well, the Lutheran Confession is, of course, that children are sinners, not because of actual sin, even though they have all kinds of actual sins, but primarily they are sinners because of original sin. And since they are participants in original sin, they thus need forgiveness of sin, which is Formula One, why we talk about original sin as actually, it's an actually condemnable sin. Well, guess what? You need to take baptism and wash away that sin. And that means that, yeah, you better take that little one into church and, and it, that little one needs baptism because that little one needs to be in the promise, included in the promise. Jesus thought about that baby when he commanded baptism to be done. Absolutely, and sin did my mother conceive me, Scripture, Psalm 51, highlighting that for us. But then as we've already covered here in the Small Called Articles, and, and, and we need to be delivered from that, although as all of us are fathers, although I'm only a six-and-a-half-month veteran of this, and you guys many more times than You'll I. You'll grow into it. Right? We, we also know that they have actual sins as well. I, I've noticed mine is, is, is quite prideful and, and selfish already. Maybe he has a bit too much of his father and, and reflects too much of his father already in him. But, uh, but yeah, they, they do actually have actual sins too as well, which we don't like to talk 
talk about, and then we, uh, the, the, the other reform bodies uh, seek to excuse those things by uh, simply saying, uh, you know, oh, well, they're not accountable for them and things like that, uh, but, but ultimately it brings us back to that they do have this actual condemnable sinful nature as well. Right? Correct. Yeah. Well, I, I just have to say I love how much space, or really how little space, he devotes to this issue. That, because I'm tempted to address infant baptism in the same way in my congregation. He simply says, of the baptism of children, we hold that children should be baptized, for they belong to the promised redemption made through Christ. Therefore, the church should administer baptism to them. He almost treats the question as sort of silly. Guys, what are you doing? You think you, you should deny the gifts of God to these little people that need them? That's silly. Get it out of here. I don't want to deal with this anymore. Yep. <laughs> he just gives us two sentences. It's beautiful. I love well, it. And, and, and behind this is, of course, the distinction that Luther always holds up of where forgiveness is earned versus where it's delivered. It was made through Christ, and the church administers it through baptism. Um, and that there's the beautiful distinction of where it is earned versus where Christ has promised it to be delivered. So it's always a good distinction to keep in mind. Yeah, it, I, I like what you said there, too, that you're tempted to just be this simple in your in your congregation. Maybe dismissive, which, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, it reminds me of a time when I was a, a younger pastor than I am now, and someone came to me and said, do we baptize babies? And I said, yes. And I said, why? Because they're a sinner. <laughs> Let's move on. You know, like, you know it just, yeah, it, it, it really is that simple. And it, why, why would we deny this? Why would we deny this? It is, it is ridiculous. And, and unfortunately, it's taken over broad what we call American evangelicalism it, it's kind of become the dominant theme in, in most of American Christianity that we see but it's ridiculous well, it's kind of funny if, if you trace this back uh, to, to the article on the gospel where he says the, the, the preaching of the word is the fountain and the, and the uh, definitive office of the gospel and where it comes and then it also comes super abundantly through God's grace in all these other ways I would never think of denying my child the hearing of God's word I would never say, you know what, you're, I really don't think you're smart enough to understand the sermon. I'm going to go ahead and just take you out of here. You shouldn't hear it. I'm not going to say, I don't think you could pronounce this Old Testament name, so I'll just refrain from reading the Bible to you. And yet with baptism, we think, no, no, I, I don't think they're old enough yet. I, I just won't give it to them. Now, it doesn't seem to stand out. Now with that, you have to remember the, the command of Christ. So, and so when you get to the Lord's Supper, maybe that same line of thinking doesn't hold and that yes. there's also examination involved and so forth, which will require some catechesis. Uh, but yeah, with, with baptism, you're just talking about washing. Um, you know, no, no parent would decide not to give their baby a bath for just the earthly dirt on the outside, <laughs> right? Well, what about the, the sinful dirt on the inside? Uh, what, what kind of bath is available for that? Well, of course, baptism. And, and, and you grow up into your baptism, something yeah. that we're still going through, even though we're teaching about it here and so forth, and we're pastors in the church, we're, we're still growing into daily. our baptism daily. Daily living. Daily contrition and repentance. Again, we keep citing this small catechism. (laughs) I've become convinced that if we if we just would know the simplicity and beauty of our catechisms, it would it would solve most of our problems and errors in in the church. Yeah, well, this is where Concordia Publishing House gets more credit. Is is that that beautiful color covered little paper catechism they developed lately? Oh, thank you. Is is just a wonderful gift to give in mass to congregations. Just to go hand out. Absolutely. I, I have them available. I, I hand them out regularly in my, my dual parish. Um, we were given a few copies as, as another, I mean, even as they have given the Book of Concord, CPH this is, uh, Concordia Publishing House has given the Book of Concord that you guys are using uh, today on the show. Um, uh, they, they also gave and provided for us um, here at the convention copies of this small catechism, beautiful, uh, what, what is it, a simple? Simple explanation of Christianity. That's right. And, uh, and, and encourage us to, to be around Tampa and giving them out and and uh, uh, I haven't actually been out in Tampa too much, but uh, maybe, uh, maybe we're going to head down to Ybor City maybe tonight and enjoy a cigar. Maybe, maybe we'll take ours with us, Pastor Matheny. Fantastic. All right. All that right. Works. But there is a distinction to be made, though, getting back to our point here in terms of the Lord's Supper. Um, and, uh, and I want to highlight that. And we only maybe have uh, six minutes here to go. Uh, so we'll only scratch the surface. But I do want to get into Article 6 as this super abundant gift of the Lord's Supper also delivers us the gospel. I'm going to read it in its entirety. Of the sacrament of the altar, we hold that the bread and wine in the supper are Christ's true body and blood. These are given and received not only by the godly, but also by wicked Christians, citing 1 Corinthians 11, 29-30. We do not hold that one, only one kind of the sacrament is to be given, example, the bread alone. We do not need that high reasoning that teaches there is much under the one kind as under both, as the Sophists and Council of Constance teach. 
Even if that were true, giving the one kind only is not the entire ordinance and institution commanded by Christ, citing Galatians 1.9. We especially condemn and in God's name curse those who do not only refuse to give both kinds, but also quite tyrannically prohibit, condemn, and blaspheme, giving both kinds as heresy. In doing so, they exalt themselves against and above Christ our Lord and God. As for transubstantiation, we care nothing about the sophistic cunning by which they teach that bread and wine leave or lose their own natural substance so that only the appearance and color of bread remain, and not true bread. For it is in perfect agreement with Holy Scriptures that there is and remains bread, as Paul himself calls it, that bread that we break, citing 1 Corinthians 10.16, and let a person so eat of the bread, citing 1 Corinthians 11.28, thus endeth the article. All right. Uh, we're getting pictures here live at the convention <laughs> from uh, fanboys, but that's all right. I, I had a cigar with him the other night. We'll, we'll take it. Fanboys. Uh, Nick. Yeah, huh. he's, he's wonderful. <laughs> he's, he's a great guy. Uh, enjoyed my conversation with him as well. Isn't uh, the convention uh, a great place? It is. Uh, but I, I know Pastor Shear wants to talk about this article, so go ahead. Uh, so here you have again Luther laying out the sacrament of the altar because, of course, this is again how Christ is distributing what he has already earned to his people, to his church, what he's commanded to be done. So here he's going back to Augustine when the word is joined to the element. So he mentions the bread and the wine, the supper, our true body and blood. Why? Because uh, Christ says so. But then he says something additional in the morning in that this is given not only to, by the godly but also by wicked Christians. So he's confessing this to the Roman Catholic Council, but he's also gotten back of his head those who have already begun to practice kind of what we would almost call today open communion. The idea that, you know, oh, well, just give it to everyone and really only the elect, as the Reformed would teach, really only the true believers will receive it to their benefit or, or only receive it. Whereas Lutherans say, no, that body and that blood of Christ is based upon his word and that is placed into the mouths of whoever is partaking. And yes, those who receive it with true faith in Christ receive it to their abundant blessing, the forgiveness of sins, new life and all this stuff. But those who are wicked Christians, as he calls them here, receive it to their judgment, to their to their condemnation even. Uh, and then, of course, just to point out in general, that Luther brings up these words of condemnation and cursing. And this is meant to be read and confessed before the Roman Catholic Council. Uh, but, of course, this is why earlier in the Small Code Articles he says, well, already this is enough to be condemned and they're not going to listen to us beyond this point. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, right. Pastor Scheer, that's a, that's a super important point that I think could easily be missed. Listen, Lutherans, you got to hear this. The body and blood of Christ does not depend on your believing. Nope. The fact that it is the body and blood of Christ depends on his word and institution alone so that when you come to your altar in your congregation, you can trust most surely that, in fact, you are receiving the body and blood of Christ. And that means, therefore, and that's, that's kind of the, uh, the part maybe we don't like in this article, right? That even wicked people that come to our altars receive in their mouths the body and blood of Christ, unfortunately, for their condemnation. Which is why it's appropriate to talk as sternly as he does, as we've already highlighted. Correct. Uh, because this is a great area. And, and why uh, th this is one of the issues that we're going to be wrestling with here at convention. Our, our church body confesses that we practice closed communion. Yeah, as our, scripture does. As scripture does. As our Lutheran confessions do. And this is why um, seeing things that go on, right, uh, as we live in this sin-broken world, why we must confess again what we confess in accordance with scripture and our Lutheran confessions. And why we're going to want this kind of understanding guiding our discussion as we go back into the convention and debate. Unfortunately, that means that we do need to get back in there. We have about 30 seconds, so I just want to wrap us up here uh, with this idea that at the heart of it all, whether it be the Lord's Supper, baptism, this article on the gospel, the very heart of the scriptures, the heart of Luther's teaching, the very heart of our Lutheran confession is the gospel itself. And, and again, highlighting our theme for us here at the convention is being joyfully Lutheran. Um, this is the very heart of, of why we're joyfully Lutheran, is the very essence. And so I think that that's a nice connection for us. It wraps it up nicely for us. At the heart of it all is the gospel, the centrality of Christ and his word for you for the forgiveness of sins. Let's continue to confess that. Again, we're coming to you today with our cohort of Christ Confessing Concordians. I thank uh, Pastor Joshua Shear, Pastor Adam Athene, and uh, uh, also Concordia Publishing House, who provided our book of Concord. We look forward to giving that to our listener. And thanks for stopping by today. Until next time, keep confessing. Church.